So today, as of course we know, it's the 66th Republic Day of India. When India joined the League of Democracies, and man has to experiment with all these different uh, ideas, democracy being the latest one, till it realizes that one has to go beyond the realm of the ideas to discover the integration. And each idea is given a term of time, very often a long term of time, like just before this we had imperialism, communism, all kinds of ideas are allowed because they have some truth, but a partial truth which very often gets distorted in the play of earth. And yet mankind has to learn slowly the real rules of the game. But the good thing is that um, the coming together of France and India, one more step, got strengthened. Mother spoke about it, just as coming together of India and America, conversion of the United States, as he said, is a very important element. The coming together of Russia and America. Similarly, France and India coming together is symbolically the coming together of the East and the West. They have to come together for the new creation. So it's a very beautiful thing that the French Premier came for the parade and um, there was a contingent of French army which led the show. Of course, uh, seven years back, I think 2009, a contingent of Indian army, Maratha Light Infantry, had gone to France and participated on 14 July, which is the day of uh, when I think it was the fall of Bastille and that, that day there was a parade and Indian contingent had participated. Whatever it be, it's important that the two nations come closer. It's part of the plan. It's bound to happen. But it's a question of time. That is how we learn the play. Last time we read about many beautiful thoughts. One of them was that the mother says this is a play. Of course, when we hear this, sometimes we feel frightened. Oh my God, it's a play? All this pain and suffering? The point is that we suffer because we don't play according to the rules of the game. That's the other part. It's a play. But play doesn't mean that there are two ways of understanding play. One, the way babies understand. Play means if they are losing, they just throw away the game and start running away. That's not play. Or some people take it that, oh, it's a play so I can have fun. While all play is fun, but all fun is not play. Play has certain rules of the game. So there are certain rules of the game and if we play according to the rules of the game, then we begin to enjoy it more and more. And the rules of the game in Indian tradition for this grand play of life staged by the divine are called dharma. Of course, some may not believe that there are any rules, it's not a play, let's enjoy like charvak, so long as we are here, take debt and enjoy life. Don't pay it because there is no other life. Don't worry about it. That's one way to look at it. But obviously the rules are still there. If we look at creation all around, we will see that along with chaos, there is in creation a order which scientists discover at different levels, whether at a biological level, at a psychological level or a physical level. There are certain rules of the game. So there are rules of the game of life which are called dharma. These rules are very subtle. They are not like rigid do's and don'ts. That's how the mind tends to interpret these rules. They are subtle, they are profound and they are everywhere. 
and these rules are written in the heart of man where the veda resides so everybody has an access to these rules this handbook is given to us when we are born it's a little handbook only thing is parents make sure that we don't read this book we read all the other books because all the other books <laughs> will make us succeed in life but actually this is the book which will actually make us succeed in life but well that's how it is so we are neither taught nor turned to read the real book which is hidden inside the heart and those who read it instinctively perhaps those who are fortunate enough not to go to a school they do it well <laughs> they they do discover happiness they do discover many things it's very interesting if you look at the world with very unbiased by eyes anyways now that we are in this game we have one of the few choices one is just feel frustrated complain about it curse some creator or the next door neighbor it's the same thing or curse oneself this is one choice the worst kind of choice obviously or second is to learn the rules of the game and play it well this is an intelligent choice Let, let's know the rules of the game and that's what is called understanding dharma of course this is a game of life devised by the divine himself where nature has created rules so it's not like a rigid rules it's something very interesting even in physical play the rules are not rigid based on the level the rules change the different set of rules as the turf ground changes as the play begins to change and catch momentum but we can learn them and we may learn them quickly we may learn them slowly but nevertheless when we learn the rules of the game then we can really really enjoy it's it's great fun for instance if we have lack of money so there are rules of the game which can help us bring the force of money like mother has said you know if you respect money if you keep it in order if you account for it every penny then the force of money will come to you if you are disordered disorganized just throw it about don't care about it then even if you have plenty you it will slowly slip away so this is one of the rules of the game second very beautiful rule for instance we find in the dining room is simple rule very difficult to practice but a rule nevertheless eat for living do not live for eating you don't need any doctor's advice after this but all these files have got corrupted the veda in the heart has got corrupted by things in the mind and the vital passions and today many of us it's very sad and unfortunate that even children growing up within uh, you know at least a country like india where we should have been lot more sensitive we still hear parents who say if you don't study how will you manage your square meals as if you are literally living to eat it's another version of live to eat so you when you grow up now it's a small chocolate then it's a huge chocolate that's the only difference so it's it's like that's how we we misread the rules and then we suffer then there are many other such rules which we find through mother's writings and of course is there um, in the heart and it's there in uh, in so many books these rules of living so we have this choice the third choice is quit the game it's becoming too much this is called nirvana we can't quit by dying these are not in the rules of the game <laughs> you are in the play till you really this one option to go into nirvana when not just the body but more importantly the soul can free itself and say okay i have played enough i don't want to play anymore this option is there so you are shown a yellow card or whatever card and you are out the problem is then our delight is also half so when we play the game to the fullest 
the delight also increases but we have a choice to quit human beings have been given this choice and no problem and nature will try to convince us it will try to bind us again and again telling us look there is greater joy waiting for you wait there is something around the corner but uh, you know when we are insistent then it says okay this fellow is too weak to play he is not enjoying the play let him be out it's not a good choice but it's a choice and of course now we have another choice change the rules of the play this is a new choice which has been introduced with the coming of shurvinder and the mother in fact all avatars come to change the rules of the game which means they take it to the next level the rules are originally by the divine but different levels at which different rules apply and they come to lift humanity to the next level at which new set of rules apply for instance we see that for the new consciousness the mother and shurvindu gave many interesting uh, rules we are using the word rules for the want a better term for instance traditionally it is believed that you know you have duty towards parents etc this is part of what is taught then somebody asked this to the mother mother said he who has turned to the divine has no greater duty than to serve the divine all other things become secondary of course we see hints of this in tradition hanuman never served his old parents he served the lord so did bharat abandon his parents because they had done something wrong to the lord so these are there but the mother and shobindu bring them out forcefully that the rules change as your levels of the game change and eventually when there is a new consciousness all the rules are going to change and we don't have to change it we don't have to worry they will not change in the parliament for sure because parliament are bastions of the old consciousness if they change the rules of the game they feel very insecure like you know people continue these caste divides and all this because if these things go away who will vote so they hold on to the old consciousness but who will change the rules are the children so everywhere these children are beginning to change the rules of the game and they start this by questioning so every time the parents say you don't know i am telling this so they ask this question why why are you saying this so they are beginning to change the rules of the game and over a period of time maybe 10 years 20 30 40 50 these rules are going to change completely and a new set of rules will come as humanity advances so in that process i just thought we'll read something which is about this play and at least one aspect of the rule of the game and of course something to do with india because it's a republic day and so beautifully i was led to one of shurbindo's writings way back it's part of his bangla writings but translated into english and shobindo starts with something very fantastic god's play is curious it's a play but who has devised it god and nature so they have devised it with the utmost cunning with the utmost joy to give to make us really sweat for it and at the end of it enjoy it thoroughly so it's a very curious play in his creation it is the conflict of good and evil that brings about progress so if there is no look here france and india are coming close one of the things that is bringing them close is the similarity and the timings closeness of timings between the paris attack and pathan kot attack these terrorists would have never imagined that they are ultimately going to serve god's purpose of course they believe they are serving the purpose of god <laughs> in a very ignorant way and they were right to believe what they want 
but they are indeed serving god's purpose though not in the way that they imagine it to be through evil they are helping this world it is the evil that produces the good which god desires it is evil that often helps the good how very often we can pictureize evil as the hammer which shapes forges the instrument or we can imagine one of the images that come to my mind is evil is like those machines which crush the sugarcane mankind feels crushed but what comes out is lovely juice so evil squeezes humanity but at the end either the sweetness of love or the strength divine comes and fills it so this is the way it helps in god's purpose this supreme evil this creation of hatred had also a good result now shubhendu is speaking in the indian context it is this that in the indian nature overwhelmed by tamas a fierce force of rajas arose capable of awakening the rajasic power so at that point of time there were a lot of people who began hitting hitting the those who were ruling the country and shubhendu said well it had its purpose but lest people misunderstand it and we have to understand that how these reactionary forces work how divine uses everything for his purpose so hatred is evil but it at least awakened a sleeping humanity out of its tamas which had accepted a prone position that well we are helpless baj govindam baj govindam leave this world as it is so at least people woke up but then he cautions us but that is no reason for us to praise the evil or the evil doer this is the supramental vision which sees at once the good that comes out of evil at the same time cautions us that this is not the rule of the game this is how the divine plays the game he has always the last shot so he can bring good out of anything one who does evil through rajasic egoism although his action may help to bring out the good result decreed by god can in no way escape from the bondage that his responsibility and its consequences involve the classic example of course is mahabharata and ramayana duryodhana did a very good work of god nobody at that point of time would have united all the ego drunken pride struck smitten rajasic kings they had to be brought together so that they can be destroyed in one go rather than you know piecemeal so somebody had to do this work so duryodhana did this work in a fantastic way through evil and cunning he brought them together under the same roof and then the divine said very good all i need is one arjuna to sit by my chariot the rest i will do similarly we see that rama's mission to destroy that time the asuric and rakshasic beings and how interestingly ravana brought them together and he could annihilate it so this is how good comes out of evil but again he is cautioning us that duryodhana and ravana would yet suffer the consequences of the evil they 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 are not doing it for good they are doing it for personal good they are mistaken who spread national hatred so should be the cautions that therefore this is not the path to be taken the result obtained by spreading disinterested spiritual discipline is 10 times greater than that obtained by the spread of hatred for there one has not to suffer from unrighteousness and the consequences of unrighteousness so if we cannot do something good 
don't spread national hatred or any kind of hatred just teach people to be spiritually oriented even if they don't take interest in life doesn't matter at least it will protect them from unrighteousness and its consequences instead righteousness increases and unmixed virtue finds its play so this is the right approach he he reveals to us if any man so the question arises what when we are oppressed and when we suffer so shubindu gives a very interesting remedy if any man whether he is a government official or a countryman of ours says or does it think that is wrong or unjust or harmful we have the right to protest and counter it by means of sarcasm and satire never of course going against the gentleman's code of behavior what a high standard you know these things are part of shobindo's own biographical notes but they never find way in any biography because they are regarded as writings but they are not writings they are what shobindo has practiced and experienced in his consciousness if we read through so many writings of shobindo spread over i think maximum that you know at that time came out which awakened and inspired people there is not one where either there is a kind of weak sentimentality or coarse hatred not one and he asserts his right he has asked for complete independence he brings indian thought to its utmost awakens the pride of indians and shows everyone where your place is but there is no hatred or rancor in it so so that's the beauty is something he has himself practiced never of course going against the gentleman's code of behavior but we have no right to cherish or create hatred or spite against any nation or individual if such a last lapse has happened in the past it is a past thing in the future such a lapse should not happen so he is also saying because these are days when he was writing for the nation awakening the nation that maybe it may have happened sometimes it can happen but man has this a uh, great capacity to correct himself that if it has happened let us not repeat it this is our advice to all particularly to all newspapers and youthful workers for the cause of nationalism the aryan knowledge the aryan education the aryan ideal is quite different from the knowledge education idealism of the materialistic vitalistic occident given to physical enjoyment so one kind of knowledge was that well you work only for desire there is no other motive for work and even now this is what is taught in some of our typical psychology curriculum that man is moved by desire but man is not moved actually by desire he is moved by delight the real impulsion is delight and that's why all the greatest creative activities are born in a moment of delight a poet does not write poetry because he'll earn out of it and when he begins to think of money out of it then poetry begins to decline so the joy of it of course parents are shocked they will question you after a while do you think you are going to earn a livelihood with this writing and if he has a you know if he is planning to get married the girl will say yeah yeah good poetry but you know what job are you doing so that's a different thing altogether but all great creative activities are born out of delight and even the spontaneous activities 
we see mother extending a love to child is not out of desire it's out to delight the joy of doing it desire is a deformation because the file gets corrupted and we feel we will get delight also known unfortunately at our level as pleasure which is a not delight of course by satisfying the desire but this is a corruption everything that we do from breathing to most of these spontaneous activity to the highest creative activity they are impelled by delight yet there is a kind of thought that it is desire which impels it and shubindo says this is not we should practice because this is not our teaching so he says such is their notion in the occident it is through the struggle for existence that the world has been built up and is achieving progress this is the keynote of their science so we are taught that this whole world is struggle for survival which is not true at all and that at several places we learn since the days when the aryans moved from the arctic land towards the south and conquered the land of the five rivers they have had this eternal wisdom winning thereby the eternal status in the world that the whole universe is a world of delight so we were reading something from the mother last two times that she says repeatedly it is delight which we have to seek delight will conquer and pleasure is a degradation when we pass beyond enjoyings and pleasure then we have delight so pleasure is like level 1 of the game so we can play at that level but at that level we have chinna pleasure and chinna pain following each other it's like this then we upgrade the game so pleasure also becomes subtle it's no more crude it becomes a joy of the mind this is the next level at which human beings the mind is the instrument of um, all these responses so it is called as the rasagrahan it is the one which absorbs the actual joy so all people with a developed subjective side begin to enjoy things mentally and suffer mentally this is the price we pay for mental development and the next level of the game is spiritual and the soul level at which we get rid of pleasure and pain happiness and sorrow but change all these into same term and that is the delight so this is how the level of the game goes so world is whole universe is a world of delight and it is for the manifestation of love and truth and power that the omnipresent divine has been playing the game by manifesting himself again in all that stands or moves in man and animal in the worm and the insect in the saint and the sinner in friend and foe in god and the titan so he is playing this game for nothing else but to manifest joy love truth so we have to keep on manifesting them become instrument of this manifestation at higher and higher level so this is the beauty of the play and the purpose of the play it is for the sake of the play that there is happiness for the sake of the play there is pain suddenly we see shurbindo starting from a very high ground of sattva when he speaks of the gentleman's code of conduct is talking of a very high ground of sattva and he takes a flight as if you know a aircraft flying almost horizontally like a shuttle going into space at a very great speed and taking us into very wide realms of spiritual wisdom for the sake of the play there is friendship for the sake of the play there is enmity for the sake of the play there is godhood for the sake of the play there is titanhood 
how else can we play there have to be two sides there have to be two sides which are equal and strong there is no fun if india plays uh, maybe nigeria i don't know nigeria plays or not but perhaps there is no fun in that game but if india plays pakistan there is real fun it should be equal what is the fun of playing gods have to play there has to be titans if the light has to play there has to be darkness so for the sake of the play these things have been created friend and foe are equally partners in the game so what happens at the end of the play we shake hands it's a nice thing of course now people spew hatred that corruption has gone into the play so people you know what is that called in the in cricket field also they abuse and then you know they are uh, few times off you can't play the game for you know is fined but actually the real spirit is not that if if you really know that it's a play it doesn't matter who wins or loss both have enjoyed and at the end of the play we shake hand that's how the judoka does before starting the shake hands at the end of it they shake hands and bow to each other so at the end of the day you help me and i helped you so that's how it is it's a play friend and foe are equally partners in the game <laughs> they divide themselves in the two sides and create opposite sides so it's like you know chess so white and black then after one you change so that which had the black becomes white actually in life one can actually see it if one sees very impartially of course we always have very good opinion of ourselves and we believe we are always on the good side and everybody else is on the bad side but if we really observe ourselves very carefully we will see in some plays we are on the wrong side of the game in other plays we are on the right side of the game simultaneously at different moments with different people some people bring out the best within us and they will always say ah such a wonderful person some will bring out or rather it's not people to be blamed in some reactions relations the worst comes out and then you know the person say oh that person so horrible both are right and both are wrong because every human being is a composite and depending we are playing at different levels at different moments so what is the rule of the game with which we should play the aryan protects the friendly if somebody is your friend protect by all means doesn't matter the divine goes out of his way to protect the friends it is not attachment it's not moha see how shri krishna all the blows that came he even altered time if there is a example of friendship it is shri krishna and arjuna even as a friend he changes time just to keep up his word a, a word which he gave in a moment of uh, you know anguish or you know it was not a right thing to say that i will kill so and so before sunset otherwise i will go to pyre that second part was not necessary that part should have been left to their lawyers to add as a clause but he himself added the clause <laughs> <laughs> because he was a noble kshatriya so he added the clause and the other team was very happy great because all that we need to do is now protect the uh, titan king it was a wrong way because you can't do it implicit was it will be a fair game both will face each other and fight but they cheated they said okay very fine one day he has to survive so we'll surround him so to start with it was not a fair play but a foul play because you can't when there is a battle you can't play like that so krishna says okay you tweak space i'll tweak time so he tweak time and there is an illusion that it's already sunset and this fellow comes out now it is fair play 
both are face to face with each other now who wins well the one who is swift and strong which of course undoubtedly is arjuna so you know this is not that krishna actually did something wrong krishna set a wrong right because arjuna had declared his intent and as a kshatriya when you declare the intent it was the code of conduct of a kshatriya to face in combat yes okay jayadrat should have said i face you and come let's fight even if death was imminent hector played like that we have an example in history actually challenged hector you come out fight with me everybody told him don't do this but hector you know establishes the high code of a kshatriya he says i can't do it so priam says you're going to get killed he says doesn't matter if i don't go for fighting i will die of shame what have i done such were the kshatriya so he comes out sure enough killed by achilles taken around seven times around the palace and at the end of that story you first time feel that what achilles did was not right actually if you read that you feel hector is a winner see how the play is staged that he who dies becomes the winner because he played the game through the right rules of the game so krishna was not doing something wrong this is on a side light because people raise this question he was setting a wrong right so here is the rule he sees the divine everywhere smites the unfriendly but he has no attachment even when he smites the unfriendly he has no attachment he sees the divine everywhere in all beings in all things in all works and in all results he has an equal disposition towards good and evil friend and foe pleasure and pain virtue and vice success and failure so we see again in the ramayana and the mahabharata when ravana falls rama tells lakshmana and others learn rajniti from ravana he is a great diplomat learn from him and shri krishna of course takes everyone to bhishma he is on the opposite side but there is no malice that yes he has something good in him to offer we see also in shurbindo that when actually the world war is taking place he puts all his force on the side of the allies and then he is asked that you know are you sure they are good guys this is not about good and bad but what keeps the way open and then he says something very interesting he says when indians and britons fought they were both asuras this is shown in the bangla writings that times india had degenerated into asuric pravartis so they were both asuras so who will win the asura who is more swift and who knows better and knows the rules of the game in india the indian asura was not organized he didn't know the rules of the game so he lost so one of the task of shrivindu was to teach how to really be organized this does not mean that all consequences are equally the wanted object that is okay everything is fine so let's play and if we fail if we are defeated it's all right then there is no joy in the play play the game well to win and yet if you lose you lose at the end of the day it's a play this does not mean that all consequences are equally the wanted object that all men his friends all happenings agreeable to him all works worth doing all results desirable until you are perfect in yoga the dualities do not disappear that status is attainable only by a few so we should not mix up two things what he is teaching us is for 
human beings to rise through a high sattva towards the spiritual light. Like Sri Krishna teaches Arjuna, bids him to fight. But there is a stage when, well, all are friends. That's a different stage. And he's saying, you should know the difference. The Aryan seeks to secure his objective. But once secured, he is not carried away in the flush of victory. One line summary of a whole section of Kain Upanishad. The gods exult in their victory and are celebrating in Mount, not Mount Kailash, probably somewhere else. They don't disclose their party locations. And suddenly, you know, they are enjoying. Ours is the victory, ours is the victory. And God comes to remind them, it's not your victory. It's the victory of the eternal. And then they are humbled. So, when gods win, when the, when the Aryan wins, he doesn't say, ah, I have won. I have defeated my enemy. Look at his face. How pulled down it is. They don't do this. Even after victory, they lift the victor head. This one moment when Alexander comes in contact with such a great king in India and he too behaves. Suddenly he is raised up to a what level? And that king we know is porous. He was defeated because one of his own people defected and created a confusion in the ranks. And when porous is defeated, he is brought to Alexander and Alexander says, what very with all his haughtiness after all, a young, brash lad who has become half the world conqueror or the world conqueror as he believed. And he tells him that, how do you want me to treat you? And Porus says, with all his dignity, as a king would treat a king. And he learns the lesson of his life, that this is how battles must be fought. And not that, oh, I have, he is lost now, let me crush him under my toe. So it's a very... Beautiful thing is Shubhinder is revealing to us. And he is not afraid of hurting. The aim of his endeavor is to help the friendly and to quell the unfriendly. He does not hate his enemy. He is not unjustly partial to the friendly. For the sake of duty, he can slay his own people and save the opponent's life, giving up his own. This too, an Aryan would do. He will not allow. There is a Story in Mahabharata where Krishna and Arjuna fight. It's a very amazing story. Why? Because there is somebody whom Arjuna has given shelter. And he says, it's my code of conduct. Nobody can take it. And Krishna comes disguised and says, no, no, I want him. He's my game. He says, no, whoever you are, even if you are God, I have given him shelter and I'll protect him. Even if he's the worst man on earth. So, he will even save an opponent if need be. Happiness is desirable to him. Unhappiness is undesirable. Surely. I mean, it doesn't mean he will say, okay, fine, all is same. So what does it matter? Happiness is desirable and unhappiness undesirable. But in his happiness, he does not lose balance. And in his unhappiness, his patience and gladness remain unshaken. This is the sign. It's not that one never loses in life. In the game of life, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But the test of a man is how he behaves when he loses the game. Then the real metal comes out. It's very easy to remain fine when you win the game. And also when you win, how you really take this victory? At one place the mother says, 
success is the last test that the divine bestows upon us not failure failure is the first test it's the graduation level post graduation test is divine gives success now if it gets into the head and we believe ah i am successful i am special then failed go back to the <laughs> previous level so success is the last test so how we deal with it he abandons not weep nor we he abandons sin and gathers virtue but never takes pride in his virtuous acts so he doesn't have the sense of righteousness i am such a virtuous man oh you sinner that's not the true aryan truth it's like okay i grow in virtue let me help all those who are still struggling because everyone is struggling at some level or the other so he is kind and forgiving and patient and when fallen in sin he does not weep like a weak child this is the oh my god i have fallen again that's not how he does so what does he do but comes out of the maya wipes out the mind wipes out the mud from the body makes it clean and pure and starts again his endeavor towards self development shubhendra gives this advice in one of the correspondence so what if you fall don't curse don't complain don't lament don't have ideas of unfitness get up shake off the dust and walk because that is the goal towards which we have to go this is the aryan like march of the eternal towards the eternal to fulfill his the, his task the aryan makes a tremendous effort thousand defeats do not stop him it is now is something very powerful not only that we should never give up but look what shubhendra is saying it is against the divine law to grieve very powerful if we grieve we are going against the divine to feel sorry to feel it doesn't mean feel sorry means hurt somebody and don't feel sorry to grieve ah i lost i failed how miserable of me poor me that's not the right way it is unaryan in fact very strong words it is against the divine law to grieve to be dejected or petulant in case of failure to be dejected to grieve is against the divine law the law is to get up and walk of course when one is established in yoga and keeping himself above the gunas one is capable of doing work then for him all dualities have ended and whatever work the divine mother gives him he does it without question whatever result she gives so this is a different state where one does whatever she gives he enjoys it with pleasure and whomsoever she chooses as belonging to his side he takes him for doing the mother's work and whomsoever she points out as the opposition he quells him or slays him as commanded by her without this is a higher stage says that in that stage you don't have these uh, even these things touching you but if they touch you know that this is against the divine law such is the aryan training there is no place in it for hatred and spite so if the divine mother puts you on a certain side fine if she commands you fight the opponent fight with all your heart and soul but without hating and if you fail 
don't say oh my god this is so bad no it's so it's part of the play at the end of the day everyone grows the divine is everywhere home to hate home to despise and then he gives something for today's all these political parties who really clamor for brownie points if we were to do the political movement in the way of the occident then of course hatred and spite would be inevitable and in the occidental view it is not a thing to blame for there is conflict of interest and when one side rises the other must be suppressed this is the politics we all also following but this is not the true politics that shubindu would want us but we are rising not for the rising of the aryan race alone it is the rising of the aryan character so so beautifully the aryan is not a geographical type anymore and shubindu makes it clear when he writes a note on arya wherever human beings follow this noble path this upward path of ascension there is the aryan type and wherever they don't regardless of where they are they are anaryan and that's why the mother once said a one line cryptic statement not cryptic very obvious statement but ironical where she says yes india has to be saved from the indians most of all so we should not make the mistake of equating indians equal to aryans that is racism aryan is an evolutionary type and india has given the thought about who this evolutionary type can be and wherever this this type is there that is an aryan he is spread all over the world so he says that it's not for that we are rising we are rising for the rising of the aryan character aryan education aryan law of life in the early stage of the movement the influence was very great even then in that early stage we realized this truth and the second stage imbued with the spirit of the divine law was prepared by the adoration of the mother by love for the mother by an intense feeling of aryan dignity politics is a part of the divine law but it has to be carried out through the aryan attitude through means approved by the aryan law so mother spoke of that that yes politics is part of the movement and one can do politics even as a yogi but why should in the left it because it is so degraded and debased in its present form that to go there is to lose all the developing yogic light that is being gathered and one will just get smeared into the mud that is why they did not encourage rather discourage their disciples when one disciple asked them mother but don't you think that your children must go into politics because she said um, uh, shobindo told her that we have to conquer three things for the new world one is finances second is health and the third is politics then the mother says health is relatively easy to conquer new idea these thoughts are coming money eventually it will give way but for politics shurvindo said there is only one way we have to be the government so somebody asked mother in that case won't it be advisable for your children to join the government and politics mother said no said why not she said they will get dragged into the lowest abyss and lose whatever little yogic light they are developing she said instead instruments will be there and we know there were beautiful instruments of the mother and there is still are 
who were connected i mean nandini satpati at that point of time and many other surendra mohan gosh who did lot of good work and even now there are beautiful instrument i am sure namo is one of them who are doing uh, who will end up doing the divine work upon earth as instruments in the field of politics so politics also will eventually come under the ambit of yoga but one has to be very careful when shubindu was called repeatedly he said no and people didn't understand why he is saying no and shubindu said if ever i come out now nobody will understand what i am trying to say even before shubindu came to pondicherry some of his thoughts started evoking reaction among the people they started questioning you are seems to be untraditional you are against traditions you are saying that the old should go new should come tell us which side are you and shubindu clarifies that we should not mistake the eternal for the old the old is not the eternal the old is a form the eternal ever renews itself so this is a common mistake that we do and the last bit a force we tell young men our hope of the future if you have hatred in your heart root it out without delay jealousy and hatred are two most corroding poisons they are worse than acid being thrown on the face which is very bad horrible but hatred and jealousy is to harbor that acid and burn the heart fear poison the worst kind of impurity mother says is fear all other impurities are can be tackled but fear is the worst impurity a force full of turbulent violence can for a time be easily awakened through the intense excitement of hatred but it soon breaks down and turns to weakness so this is not the kind of politics that should be practiced it will be very momentary very temporary and then he ends with these marvelous lines those who have taken the resolution of freeing the country this is still valid because we have gained independence but not yet true freedom so those who have taken this those who have consecrated their life go among them and spread the bond of strong fraternity stern effort iron firmness and a flame fire like energy in that strength we shall secure an unshakable force and victory forever so this is the divine law which leads us towards delight